1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041 983 1100. You're very welcome to Tuesday
2: afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up this afternoon, Tony Conlins, with us, our motoring man, and he will be telling you which vehicle he selected as his car of the year for 2018 and much more besides, of course, with Tony as usual. Holly Bryan is in the house. She's an expert on colours, inside or outside your home. So if you're in the process of decorating, thinking about decorating, if you want to add anything about colours for different rooms and places in the home, I know you're going to enjoy Holly. She's with us a little bit later on. But Sinead, what do you say about Dancing with the Stars in the USA? She made it
3: fantastic news to hear that our own loud lady, Ivana Lynch, has made it to the final? She's through to the
2: final. In case a lot of people may not have heard about it, she sailed through last evening and, you know, they got rid of two couples in Dancing with the Stars. I know they were only supposed to get rid of one. They got rid of two couples last night, but Ivana... all the odds because she's up against. We heard her dad, Donal, yesterday with us. Lots of celebrities who mm-hmm. are well known in America have high profiles. She's made it through to the final, so she'll now dance for the title.
3: Well, I'd like to think that we played a little tiny part in that yesterday, Jerry. What do you think? Well, that's why I wanted to mention it. I think. I think we did. I, I yes. have to
2: believe we did as well. I, I, I thank our friends on the East Coast of the United States, all along the East Coast, who woke up with us yesterday and did the needful. And then, of course, to people who are listening here who got onto their Friends in America, expats, expats and family, etc., who voted for her as well. It may have been the difference between her yes, dancing yeah, away yeah. to the final or not. Do you watch the one here at home while we're on it? You, you, no, you so don't.
3: I dip, it, I dip you in and You're in in about Strictly?
2: Strictly, come No, dancing.
3: no, I, I don't really go into Strictly now. I thought you were talking about the Irish one.
2: Oh, no. So do you watch the Irish one when it's on? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so I suppose I'm, I'm the BBC and have yeah. been with it since it since it ever began. But it's getting exciting now because, you know, week by week, a celebrity goes and their dance partner as well. And uh, this week they're heading to Blackpool. They do a big dance each each year in Blackpool, which is considered the home of dancing yeah, in the UK yeah, and yeah. has been for, for decades uh, there. So what
3: celebs are left then? Because I'm completely Well, I,
2: I suppose with the contenders Faye Towser is absolutely oh, well, yeah, brilliant. Well, you, see, now you know she, what I mean? You know,
3: look when they put in people that are already dancing like she's a dancer. Like, she is. She would have done you know, five, six, seven, eight with steps <laughs> and all that kind of thing for God's sake. She shouldn't be allowed. She should. Well, no. look, at, you
2: see that's the thing about it. You have people who've danced before and others who've never danced and others who are well, just see, there for I, the crack, you know? I, I, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. That'd be me, <laughs> Jerry. Oh my God, I would love to see you do that like this. Can we? Is anyone is anyone doing a strictly come dance of Night in the future? Jerry Kelly is going to sign up for this. I think. Uh, I'll tell you what.
2: You'd want steel toe cap boots to dance with me. To be honest with you, I, I never was into the dancing. What about really? yourself? I oh, will show you just boogie then. Well, I, and...
3: I'll boogie, but I'd, in terms of like professional sort of ballroom dancing. I would be curious to learn yeah. you know I'd be interested in learning now yes. but um, you know like they have to have great posture and even look at me <laughs> I've <I'm> actually <laughs> I've corrected myself in the seat I am dreadful when it comes to posture mm. so that'd be that'd be nice you know to learn to stand nicely and and, you know, gracefully it waltz would, across the floor. Yeah, were, nice. you
2: ever, were you ever invited to take part in Strictly Come Dancing yourself? I was
3: invited to take part as a judge, which is even more hilarious because yes. um, I couldn't judge a thing like when yes. it comes to dancing. Like, I know, you know what, what like you mean, anyway? I know what you mean. But I would love to see like for a charity or, you know, a fundraiser or something, if anyone is doing it. I think you should, I'm nominating you. No, please.
2: I've been approached many times. I'm not doing it. I've said no, 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 no consistently. (laughs) And don't get me into that bind, will you, this afternoon, please, Jane. I don't want that. I just love watching it. and I admire them so much. And we wish Ivana Lynch all the very best going forward in the final, which I take it is a week... On oh, from I last it night, yeah, we we'll yeah. have to get back on. Oh, we'll to have her to get dad, yeah, back yeah. on, and we can see if we can get hold of her as well. That would be great. Anyway, let's get into matters on the show today. My first guest is in the final shake-up to be named Red Cross Irish Humanitarian of the Year for his recent work in Syria. The greater part of his life has been devoted to helping people in war-torn, disaster-riven, and famine-stricken parts of the world. He's also set up his own company. He's an accomplished rugby player and describes himself as a Meath refugee. Mark. Mullen, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Hello, and apologies for my late arrival. You're great, all right. A
4: great fan.
2: You're all right. <laughs> I won't tell listeners the sweat we were in, but he's here <laughs> sitting in the chair. And thank you indeed for joining us on the show today. I'm delighted to have you with us, Mark. Thank you. Um, congratulations on the nomination for this prestigious award. Syria and East Ghouta in particular, we've seen the images, mm. we watched the news week on week for months on end at this stage. You were part of the first delegation that got in there.
4: Yes. What was that like? Well, you know, I suppose when you, I mean, nothing can really prepare you for uh, to to witness a level of destruction. I think that's the the most um, most incredible thing about that experience was um, if you imagine the whole of the south side of Dublin completely levelled. That's uh, how East Guta is. Um, so, it's uh, East Guta is part of Damascus, a major city, mm. and so you have this uh, kind of. Uh, I think I think scenes that we probably haven't seen since the Second World War. Um, so I likened it to a, a Dresden or a Stalingrad. I mean, that's that that's the level of destruction.
2: Well, the place was absolutely flattened, and I remember those historic images as well. So that is a real bleak picture you paint. How, how come there are people still living in
4: yeah, yeah. a place with nothing? Yeah, well, there are sort of enclaves inside there, so that was the the, and that and they were the people that we were sort of uh, uh, reaching out to. So areas that there were still people living in. The the day that we went in, there was a lot of negotiation that had to happen to allow us to have access. Um, There were people we were told that uh, there were still possibly people that might come out and attack us. Um, So that was something to bear in mind. But I think it was worthwhile because when we got there, you know, like all these things, I've always felt that the community takes care of you. And um, I had a strong sense that we were not at risk. Um, but also when we met many of the people who were receiving the assistance, we met women, for example, who had been living with their families underground for four years, you know. So that kind of thing, even for me, and I've been around a little bit, uh, it, uh, it, it certainly uh, it left, left a lasting impression. What can you do in a practical
2: sense when you arrive in a wasteland with nothing there? Do you never feel, because you said you've been around and we're going to talk about you being around in the course of this conversation,
4: where do you begin? Well, look, I, I think it's a difficult question to answer. First, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Um, the only thing about it is that when you're going into a place like East Gauta, um, you can see it from the road. So it's a bit like, and the weird thing about it is, is that you'll have some areas, so you'll have neighbours that are probably looking out as the place was being bombed, and their houses are perfectly okay. So you've got actually some areas that were looking at these areas that were being pulverised, and nothing happened to to where they live. Um, So it's it's a strange one. But when you get into these places... um, you know obviously you're sort of you're, you're 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 not sure what's going to happen next you're you're kind of apprehensive perhaps a bit nervous and that's healthy um but uh i think once we got to where we were going the we were met by community leadership uh and um Again, it was all kind of new ground for me, Jerry. It was like there's nothing that kind of prepares you for these experiences except a willingness to go. Yes. And when you're in there, is it just initially
2: to assess the situation, see what you can do with the people to help them, you know, be fed, maybe have a little bit of shelter or something like that. That's where it begins at the basics. Yes, I take it.
4: It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's all life saving stuff. I mean, that's that's the level that you're at when you're going into these situations. Um, And... uh, You know, obviously the needs are enormous. Um, So uh, those things are probably the easier bits. I think the biggest problem in a place like Syria is just getting access to these people. Mm. And that's the that's the challenge.
2: Because of the scenario and the two sides and the war ongoing Well there are many
4: sides to this yes, conflict. I know, I know. So <laughs> it's not it's not if it was it's two sides yeah. if it was two mm. sides it'd be easy. But no, I think that the issue for all of us that are, you know, humanitarian actors is always that we work in the I suppose in the shadows we're working um, to try and find that space to be able to deliver assistance, impartial humanitarian assistance. So it's all about impartiality, and it's based on need. So it's not based on your ethnic, where you know what religion you are. It's not based on uh, which side you're on. It's based on one our ability to evaluate independently of people. Mm. So we need to be able to get in there and monitor and um, and then make a decision and hopefully have access to the community that, 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 that is the most fun- vulnerable. Mm. Do, and that hasn't always been the case in Syria.
2: Okay. Do they, you know, I can just imagine when the, you go in there and they're after being bombarded for all this time and very few people from outside get in and they're made aware of who you are.
4: Do, it must be a special experience. I take it they love to see you. Well, they, the weird thing is when, when they hear that you're Irish, um there's, there's always an incredible reaction. And that, I know you're looking at me and going, wonder why that is. And I always wonder, my, always wonder why myself, because I always think, where have they met an Irish person before they met me? You know? <laughs> but uh, I think it's to do, I think that we're synonymous actually with being neutral. Uh, Ireland is seen as neutral, a bit like Switzerland, and I work for a Swiss organisation. So, you know, we're we're but we're seen as neutral. Uh, we don't have any, um, you know, furniture. Um, so I think they don't feel threatened by our, the nationality. I think that when they when they meet me they or meet me and those that were travelling with me, um, I think that they're just genuinely very. Um, I think they just want to share their experiences. Um, They're delighted that there is people, that they're not alone. I Mm. think that's it. By meeting us, they feel they're not alone. And then by meeting us, they feel connected to the world. And I think that's the bit.
2: That's a very special and privileged place to be, isn't it? Definitely. It really is. It really is when you think of iraq and we'll move on from this in a minute and what has happened there as you said and all the the different viewpoints and the sides and the amalgams of uh, different uh, interests that are there and fighting with one another and all that's happened can it ever recover like ultimately can people you can rebuild buildings you can help people re-establish their lives that are there but the scars the deeper scars
4: well i think the answer to that question is, I, uh, you know, I never underestimate the ability of people to recover from the worst of things. So people's resilience is uh, without question. I mean, they, they have deep resilience. And remember, they've gone through episodes of this, maybe not quite the same, but the, the, that region is uh, a very troubled region, the Middle East. Um, uh, many of the countries there, there's continuous conflict um and it ebbs and flows but there's you know so people have gone through previous experiences families have experienced things so the answer to your question is i uh, i'm i'm a great believer in the in in humankind and i actually believe that we can recover from the worst of things um so yes i believe that they can recover but they need peace they need a durable political solution um the problem with this particular conflict, Syria, is that it's a conflict where there are a lot of uh, – it's conflict by proxy. So you have a lot of international actors fighting and supporting different groups. Um, and uh, But I think we're at the uh, the, 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 the end game, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I think the, the conflict is coming towards the end. Do you feel that, yes? I do believe that. Mm-hmm. I think we're coming to the end how how people will, will will recover is a is a big question because if you the one thing about these countries and particularly Syria you had christian and muslim communities living side by side for thousands of years peacefully and now a lot of the those relationships have broken down and people are you know people don't know what's in the heart of someone you know 8 years of warfare changes people and uh, so uh, and in a in in a culture where you know people will feel that they need to take revenge for what's happened, I mean, the, it's going to be cycles of violence. I suspect. Mm. You know, it's going to take a lot to get people to forgive and forget. I don't know, forgive. I don't think they'll ever forget, Jerry. but yes, to I, forgive. Yeah. I mean, I they just need peace at this point. Um, but at the moment, just to give you an idea and your listeners an idea, there are 16 million people displaced because of the conflict in Syria, both inside and outside the country. Um, that's, that's an enormous Horrendous, amount of Horrendous, yeah.
2: yeah. Now, you're in the middle of a powder keg there where you are. You're based in Jordan, but then, of yeah. course, you have the Lebanon situation. Yemen ain't that far away. Syria we've been talking about as well. Palestine, Israel. But in your, in your career, you've been, you were in Rwanda when the genocide happened there. Congo, Burundi. Tanzania, Hey mark. Some a, people a, would just say, "Why a glutton
4: for punishment?" Are oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you! Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I went to boarding school. I must. I think if you survive boarding school, I figure you can probably do anything. You know, I went. Where'd to you go school. to boarding? School? I went to boarding school very young. St. Gerard's and Bray. Uh, and what then, age? And then Blackrock Seven. Uh, so I was one of those guys, and uh, like young. And uh, I, I, I'm sure there if there mothers listening, they're turning over and they're going... But it was a, ge- a different generation and a different time. But I think that one of the things about boarding school, I don't think there's any positive experiences uh, uh, when you're very young, other than for this guy, um, I could get on with anyone. Um, and I use that today. I mean, I, I can be in very hostile environments but i still get on with people and uh, it's finding the common ground is always uh, and using humor and a light touch and i think it's something that all irish people are gifted with um and we can we can we can move everywhere in the world you know and that's why you know you know i don't think i have any special skills or attributes I, i wasn't particularly gifted academically but i was interested in events i was interested in the world and um and it's an amazing privilege to be able to serve people um, and to connect with them in these situations.
2: You have a set of
4: skills, you see,
2: that are intangible, but they are so real when you are involved in scenarios like this. Tell them the story of what attracted you to this humanitarian work in the first yeah. place.
4: Well, I mean, I was uh, playing rugby. Um, you know, I was an average rugby player. I, I thought I was a very good <laughs> rugby player, but I I, I had aspirations. There's a da- I'm, it's a dangerous thing to have any aspirations. This guy had aspirations. And I went to New Zealand. I played a bit of rugby there. I came up um, and I ended up playing in the French First Division in Grenoble. Um, now uh, stop I, I, there. Yeah. Stop there. Enough
2: of that depreciation of your skills and yeah, talent. Yeah. You don't play in the French First Division rugby unless you're handy.
4: What position did you? I play I was an open side loose forward, so okay. open side. Yeah, yes. uh, but liked it because of that, in those days the French were, you know, it was all style, and mm-hmm. you know, I kind of wanted to be part. You know, French rugby was very exciting. However, I came came back to Ireland with some injuries and um, I had nothing to do. And it was, I, ju- I came home just at the time that the Somali famine happened. And I think you remember uh, Mary Robinson went to Mogadishu and she came back to Nairobi and she did a press conference where I think she broke down at the press conference. And then they interviewed a guy called Jeff Lone, who was the ICRC representative in Somalia. And I don't know what got into my head. I must be completely mad. But I thought... I've got time on my hands. I'm going to Somalia. Yes, and that was it. That moment when you saw Mary Robinson and that, she in tears.
2: I can remember that myself. I'd say an awful lot of people do. That made that impression. on Well, you. it was that and the
4: images of, uh, yes, harrowing yes. images of, uh, people, um, um, starving to death in Somalia. And I, 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 Irish people are, we're pre wired. We're, we we have it in our DNA that when we hear the word famine, we're off, you know, like we're going. And it's by no accident, it's no accident that we have Geldof and Bono and the rest, mm. because I think it's, it's just in our DNA that we are going to identify with that. Um, and I'm no different. I volunteered uh, with Concern um, and uh, Jack Finucane. I met Jack Finucane, one of the founders of Concern. And I was all I was a mouthy boy from BlackRock, full of chash, full of, you know, what I could do. Couldn't do anything, of course and he said have you any questions to ask and I, I i said is there anything i could l- i asked him is there anything he could teach me before i go to africa and he said uh, he said use your common sense it'll it's in short supply i always remember that use your common sense it's in short supply so i went to somalia with concern and as a volunteer back in the days where you could volunteer and i went from you know, the comfort and safety of Ireland, where I hadn't seen a dead person, by the way, hadn't never seen a dead person, to Somalia, where um, in the little village I was in, in central Somalia, we had a measles epidemic and we lost 200 people. And I was trying to organise cars to pick up dead people. And so I went from Ireland with its comforts Mm -hmm. and safety to something that was quite different. But I felt I was to the manner born, and I joined the UN in Somalia. Um, they, they they had a job advertisement that went something like, you know, 13 pages of terms of reference. And then at the bottom, they said, previous Somali experience. And four of us and a dog applied. And I think even the dog got hired. Um, and that's how I started. And I, I worked in Somalia with the UN. And then the genocide started in Rwanda. And I volunteered to go. I'm not volunteering. I mean, now I'm a, a, a you know, sort of being paid to do what I'm doing, but um, the EU had a service called ECHO, which is like the it funds all the humanitarian operations, and they were looking for someone that wasn't French or Belgian to go to Rwanda, and uh, it just happened, uh, the Irish guy turns up, and that's where I was sent. You mentioned... Coming across the scenarios you did when you mm. went to Somalia,
2: when mm. you talk about Rwanda, the mm. genocide mm. there, mm. the famines you've encountered, mm. the natural disasters, the mm. wars, the mm. loss of life, mm. how do you cope with that or deal with that?
4: Well, I, 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 I can say, Jerry, that uh, well, if you take Rwanda, for example, I, I often said that you can be in the eye of the storm and not know the storm exists. So you could be in—I uh, was in Kigali—and I, you know, now fast forward, I'm in the EU delegation in Kigali, and genocide has happened inside the country. Um, uh, but you know, it seems still a little bit outside there. It's outside those walls. It's happened. And then uh, myself and a, an English colleague, Daryl Sexton, we went to um, this town where they—they they told us there was a gen- genocide had taken place, and a lot of killings had taken place. And we turned up there. Um, and uh, I'm outside this church because a lot of killings went on in churches. And uh, I'm outside this church with him and he's, he's standing and looking in through a window. And I'm thinking, God, the sight must be terrible. And I get in behind him and I look in and there's nothing there. So we're in the wrong place. So eventually we get in the car and we drive up what, is like, what was like a typical Irish country lane. And at the bottom of it was a guy wearing a fur coat and a woman's wig. Uh, with a with a Koreshnikov. and uh, he was a guard, and he was guarding a site, and it was a church, and uh, I I I started walking up towards the church, and I started to notice the bodies in the uh, in the in the grass, and uh, and then I went in through there was a big hole where there had obviously been a grenade thrown through it, and I went inside, and uh, there was I think uh, four or five thousand people. Uh, uh, in, in, inside and around this church, so um, dead, dead, yeah, yeah. So, how do you well sleep at, firstly, at night when well, you no, come you across? Do, it. No, no. The weird thing is, firstly, I felt that I was kind of bearing witness, and the second thing was the smell. I was very conscious of the smell at the time. You know, it's it's something that's very acute. Um, but maybe I am going to frame this story slightly differently because. You know, Daryl was down the far end and I was separated from him. But anyway, we get back to the car and um, I turned on the air conditioning to try to get rid of the smell. Uh, And then I started, Daryl was sitting beside me and he had a road map on his lap. And I started to do what Irish people do. I wanted to emphasise, well, this what this Irish guy was doing. I wanted to emphasise how important it was to be where we were at that moment. So I started to say to him, I said, Daryl, I said, uh, you'll never forget this visit. Um, I said, people remember where they were when uh, John Lennon was shot. People remember where they were when the Pope, they tried to assassinate the Pope. I was using a lot of Johns, I think. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and I pointed at him and I said, Daryl, you will never, never forget the day that you were in Neamonga. And Daryl's looking at the road map and he looks down and he looks up at me and he goes, but we're not in Neomonga. Uh, so I got the town name wrong. After giving him the big you'll never forget. Let you. So it's only an Englishman that would inter- interrupt an Irishman's story.
2: Well, I'm going to interrupt you for a moment because yeah. we have news headlines at two o'clock, but we're back with a wonderful guy. Mark Mullen is my special guest on Late Lunch this Tuesday. You did say earlier on that being Irish, you feel, is mm. a big help in the work that you do. Mm. Now, our greatest non-Irish adopted son has to be Mr Jack Charlton Hmm. he did save your bacon because I'm sure you've been in hairy situations
4: yeah no absolutely I mean there was one moment um, so I'm in Rwanda um, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving between Rwanda and Burundi crossing the border and I sometimes used to cross late at night and one particular evening, I came into the border and I was met by a group of uh, people, mostly policemen, but very, very hostile. And um, they separated my driver and from me and um, they started ripping open my, 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 my luggage. My clothes were on the ground. Uh, my files were now on the ground um, and extremely hostile. And I was a bit worried that this was it, that I was going to end up uh, face down in a ditch Uh, And I was trying to make conversation with a guy who was clearly their leader and he had a cigarette butt hanging out of his mouth and he was snarling at me and uh, speaking French. And my French is terrible, by the way, schoolboy French. Uh, But anyway, he's leafing through something and he looks at me and again, there was no love in those eyes. And he said to me, uh, vous êtes français, you're French. And I said, no, je suis Irlandais, I'm Irish. And then he thought about it for a second and then he said isn't Jack Charlton a great manager? And I thought, I don't know where this thing came from. And I went, he's the best, <laughs> the very best. And I realised at that moment that perhaps Jack Charlton had saved my life. My, oh my, isn't that a story and have It just shows you, like, what registered with him.
2: <laughs> Was that one of a few occasions where you felt, you know, that you were threatened?
4: No, I mean, look, I, I've never honestly felt – I mean, there, that might be an instance where mm. there was – look, when you're younger and doing what we do, those, uh, they're, they're, the, the, the people who are involved in hum, providing humanitarian assistance, particularly those involved in sort of frontline situations, when you're young, you're prepared to take – you don't know what the risks are, so you take the risks not knowing what the risks are. But today, now, lots of people – I mean, humanitarian workers, journalists were targeted – Um, so security has become absolutely paramount. So you you have to think very, very carefully what you're doing. And obviously, if there's nobody on a street, you don't go there, you know. And and I've always found that communities that we're serving, they'll always take care of you. Um, And partners that we have, they'll take care of you. So I never really felt that I was under direct threat. I never felt it was being pointed at me. Mm. Um, And obviously, you know, I've I was there the day that Valerie Place that Irish nurse was killed in uh, Mogadishu and that you know I I can imagine for her family uh, in Dublin they you know there was one thing about Irish people going overseas to work in these things but they were always expected to come back you know and here was a family who had a daughter going over to work in Somalia who didn't come back and then I had a friend working for the UN in Rwanda and he was uh, murdered as well so Close friends of mine died uh, over the years, you know, people that I knew, um, because they happened to be, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I've always been, touch wood, lucky that I've, you know, nothing has ever happened. And I, I, I always feel that nothing will happen. That's the thing. I mean... I suppose you know your time is up when you start to really, really worry about it. Mm -hmm. Now,
2: you did take a break from this work um, for three years, and you're back at it about a year
4: at this stage. And you set
2: up a company called Outdoorsy.
4: Yes, yes. In the States. Yes, I did, I did, yeah. Uh, I think it was my midlife crisis, Jerry. That is, uh, well, I've always believed you can do anything at any time in life, and I'm firm and I know you you feel the same way. Um, So... Um, I had an idea uh, to start a company. It was to be the Airbnb for sports experience. So whereby people could um, sell their sporting experience. And we, we started in the Bay Area, although the engineering was in Ireland. It's called Outdoorsy. That's O-U-T-D-O-O-R-S-I-E dot com. And um, we were five sports. We were surfing, cycling, uh, hiking, mountaineering and running and uh, basically we curated it. We went all over Northern California. We found the best providers, and uh, it was three clicks to buy the best surfing experience, the best running experience, the best mountaineering experience. with a lot of video, and yeah, we set it up. But it was very late in life. I'm a non-technical co-founder, and... Um, and I got poorer and poorer as I did it. But I loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. And, um, and I don't always think it's success can be measured And Some people measure success by great financial success. But I think success is just doing what you want to do and doing it because it inspires you. Mm. And you did it
2: and you did it for three years and you've come back uh, to your first love and what you've been called to in your life as well. Here's the thing. Myself and Sinead were chatting about this, my producer, upstairs today, and we're just saying, isn't he some man? Because he's been all over the world to all these places. War, famine, natural disasters, all the different interests that pull people and places apart. And you guys have to come in then to start picking up the pieces. Do you never feel like throwing your hat at number one? And really, does anybody care?
4: I think it's a, that's a really there's a lot of questions in yeah. that you know um did you ever feel like giving up yeah well of course i think it takes a toll on you i i, I do believe that this is a young man's game or a young mm. woman's game um because uh over time it it has a huge impact on your family life um you you don't live an, a normal life um and there is a certain there was a, there were obviously frustrations because uh, you know at one time uh, let 's say, for example, Rwanda and Somalia they were known in Ireland. These stories were known, but then I started to work in other places and When I came back to Ireland, you know we were in the middle of the uh, the tiger years, and people were comparing the price of their houses so when i was when they 'd ask me where i was i 'd say I was in the congo they 'd say oh that 's very nice. Um, what are you doing there and maybe they 'd listen to my answer and maybe they wouldn 't but it wouldn't be it wouldn 't register so I found that having an audience was actually very, very small, of people that I could talk mm. to. And, I've, and I think what's very important, I think one of your 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 interview yesterday, which was very good. It was very important that I found somebody to talk to, because I think uh, this type of work—if you don't talk to people—you start mm. to internalize it. Yes, and, the, it, can have, the, and it can have. Helicopter a, man was saying that absolutely, yesterday to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it can have an adverse effect on you over time. Mm. So I think the most important thing is uh, I've always been a positive person, and I've always thought—and you know, whether it's you know the the events uh, that I've witnessed, and you know—and I've worked with extraordinary men and women from. All, all the nationalities um, and people from the respective countries. So I can never fall. I've learned to understand that there are many ways to solve problems, right? Um, and one thing I want to turn around and say, the, the, the strangest thing working now in the Middle East is how not only are, 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 do, are they well disposed to me being Irish, but they wish on us, for us, a peace in Ireland, you know that's the weirdest thing. Like, I'm, a lot of Irish people when they travel, the the you know we, they they the, you know when you meet people that are not Irish, they'll as you, know, you know do you know you too or do you know mm. football might be a reference, but the north of Ireland sort of always plays a part in all my discussions in uh, in uh, in 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 the Middle East, and people are hoping for us that we take the next step, yeah. which is really interesting, and mm. that somehow that this island, the island of Ireland, becomes a united Ireland. Um, and it's a weird one. But yeah. that's, that's something that people wish for us in 2018 in the Middle East. And, and if you meet Palestinians, they're always high-fiving me because they think you know, we really are you know, with them in solidarity. And I'm always thinking, gee, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting a lot of kudos for, and I feel I'm not worthy and I haven't done anything. And I've always felt that in my life, that I haven't actually done anything yet.
2: So people do care, do care about us on the other side. Absolutely. And people here care about a lot of people around the world. Listen, we'll have to resume this conversation at another time. I know you're going back to the Middle East tomorrow. You're back home for the awards on the 24th of November. Let me say, you're one of life's good guys, Mark Mullen. Wish you well with your work going forward and uh, with that award that's coming up at the end of the month as well. Thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch today.
4: Thank you very much
1: for having me, Gerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
2: Yes, it's time for one of our trusted regulars on Late Lunch. It's motoring uh, time on the show this November. And the man himself, there's only one for us. It's Mr. Tony Conlon. Tony, good to see you again. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me. And if you want to put a question to Tony or comment, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, let's begin at the beginning because it's this time of the year, Tony. It's very exciting. All the motoring journalists, including yourself, pick their car of the year. So let's talk for a moment about the ones you considered this year. What was in your focus no, oh, well, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm getting, towards, I'm getting towards <laughs> Ford there.
5: <laughs> what what should what, 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 what we consider? Well, there was different categories. For example, there was the small car, the Irish small stroke compact car of the year. In that was the Kia Seed, the Ford Focus, the Mercedes A-Class, Volkswagen Polo, and Subaru Impreza—I won't be able to list them yes. all, but from memory. What did you pick? I, I voted Ford Focus. I, I I gave it seven points, one ahead of the Kia Seed. So that is the Focus in the small in the car small category. compact, and I went on to win that. Category. And and is is that the new Focus? That's the, new the brand new Focus, yeah. So yeah. you voted for the Focus. Well, I and did. The focus I won did, that because category. what I succeeded in doing was making a good car even better. And I, I just focused, excuse the pun, on yeah. that, and uh, I I voted for that in that category. And in fact, I've all give it the overall but we'll show you what category Okay, winners. so
2: that was the small, <coughs> yeah. what, what's
5: the next category? Next one is the small crossover Yeah, and that's the St. Arona, justifiably a very good car, won it, I went for the Volkswagen T-Roc, the St. won it I went for the T-Roc, so that was the uh, what won it there and there's a car that starts just over 20 odd thousand euros, it represents great value for money and it is a lovely car, which is the St. and I'm, I'm very happy that it won uh, The next area was the Irish Comp crossover of the year here's where I had a bit of a surprise I went for the BMW X2 and the Volvo XC40 won it presently driving that car not to say but I did drive it before the voting Uh, the only thing it's one of the safest cars out there very, very well built. Uh, beautiful storage and unique storage design element in the in the boot. Uh, lovely driver's car. The only thing I'd again is that I couldn't see everyone buying was it's very near the fifty thousand euro mark for for uh, a compact crossover. Okay, and Spent that it. that kind of has uh, asked myself: is a twenty thousand better, twenty plus thousand better than a Sportage or or some of the other cars in that category? And I partially don't know, is it? If you have it, I'd spend it. Mm. But but is it worth it? That's that's the big question. You know? Okay,
2: so the Volvo, the winner there. What are
5: the categories? I'm well, the other of- one then you had the Irish medium crossover category, which is a very interesting one. It competes here against the Mitsubishi Eclipse and of course the new Honda CRV was the Skoda Croc. But that Skoda Croc was launched earlier this year over in Bective there in in County Mead by Skoda. It went on to win that category, and I did vote for it. Okay, and I voted for it. Because because unlike the Mitsubishi and the, and the Honda, and we probably will speak about this forever and ever more, Jerry, you have a choice of engines being one litre petrol to 1.6 litre diesel and fantastic IT and equipment in it. And the fact you have such a wide range of choice and here's a lovely car, I gave him my number one vote in that category. And, and it, I won, it won, and that category won that category as well. yeah, yeah. So
2: is that all the categories or any more? No, than no there's no, more. Than like you,
5: the, the large crossovers, you can see crossovers creeping yes. up here, believe it or not, like I drove the living daylights down on Mandela off a Porsche Cayenne uh, against against also the um, the Volvo, new Volvo um, v, V60 and the Volkswagen Tour H. I voted for the Tour H and I won. Okay, so that uh, came true there yeah, in that category. So that came true, which is a big 3 The Tour H, it's, it's a very popular car, isn't it? It's, it's a big car. It's a big, yeah. big, big, big car. A uh, big crossover. But uh, when you look at it with Porsche, the Porsche, of course, is a beautiful, mm. beautiful car. But there's... there's there's a relationship somewhere there, and the cost of the divided money is huge between them. So yeah. I went for Volkswagen. Yeah,
2: are family cars or estates or any of those categories in it? No, but oh, they, they are. Yeah,
5: there is. There's so many different. Uh, like there's something like forty odd cars in it. Yes, Jerry. okay. Like if you look at the next category, for example, is the Irish executive. You have Audi A6, Audi A7, Audi A8, all brand new Audis and the Mer- and Mercedes CLS. I think what happened to Audi here is to put all their the baskets, all their eggs in one basket. It was a split vote uh, and Mercedes won it. But I personally gave my vote to Mercedes, the okay. CLS. Okay. Which have now is a five-seater in comparison to what it was originally. A four-seater. You have this big bench thing in the back of it. It's a lovely car.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right.
6: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network
0: of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United UnitedHealthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves To find out if it's right for you.
5: Beautiful built car, and uh, it makes you kind of feel fairly, mm-hmm. fairly important. The next one, I was disappointed in a little bit. It was the high performance, the hot hatch, the hot hatch. And that consisted of uh, the Fiesta. We just mentioned three of them off, and there's a few more the Ford Fiesta ST, the Hyundai i30N, and the new Polo GTI. I absolutely vote for the Hyundai i30N. And for the life of me, I don't know why it didn't win because <laughs> it is just fabulously, fabulously hot. And uh, Fiesta won it. It's a fabulous car, Fiesta. Okay. But but I just, I definitely believe the Hyundai, that some of the lads may not have driven the Hyundai, and if they got a smell of it at all, that car would have. And what model it. is that again? The that's Hyundai? the Hyundai i30N. Okay. Now, it's a hot hatch, Jerry. It just goes to show you it's got three exhaust pipes coming out the middle. Like, you know, mm. it makes a sound. It's like his own orchestra underneath the bonnet and coming out the back. It's amazing. <laughs> now, Jerry, it will get you locked up for life if you bought the full use. There's no doubt at all about it. And to will be thrown away the key. But, but that's just, it's just one of these things that you just feel the pressures as if there's someone there like a ghostly thing pushing your head back into the headrest once you press the accelerator on the car. It's like It's that, magical, it? yeah, yeah. A lovely lovely car. And I have one more for you. Yep. Well, a few more for you, actually. I have, the, I have the Irish High Performance car. Now, this was a bit of a Hames, I have to say to you, because Kia put on the stinger there, and a lot of us drove that fabulous new 3.3, whatever litre stinger, and I didn't get to drive the Audis the RS3, RS4 and the BMW M5 although BMW had a day that I attended but I just couldn't get into the M5 every mm. time I went for it there was someone gone in the car but the M5 won I abstained from that because I drove less than 50% of the vehicles which an awful lot of my colleagues had to do the same yeah. and then we went to the green car the green and this is a real interesting one you had you had the Mondeo Hybrid you had the Neo Kia Nero plug in and you yeah, had the Nissan Leaf and there might be another one or so, I went jointly here for Leaf and Nero and Leaf won it Ok, so the Nissan Leaf won the green car yes. and
2: is that an all-electric model, that's or is all, it ele- that's all electric model That's all electric
5: and the innovation award went to the Leaf again for the e-pedal, that's the economy thing on, on the Leaf and then we had the Vanity year and the Vanity year went to bang bang bang, the Mercedes Sprinter which luckily I got again and the overall, as I said to you, of all of all the cars, then you had one vote last towards th- morning before the event for the Irish car Irish of the year, twenty eighteen, and that went to the Volvo XC Forty, uh, which it is fantastic, Jerry. Wow in ways that you have a company working towards a lot of car companies are doing the same that in years to come hopefully there will be no such a thing as a major car accident with fatalities ever. so much safety and on the safety front the Volvo excels so Volvo XC40 XC XC, XC, XC. C for cash Okay, XC40 40, yeah.
2: is the car of the Cardier, year
5: yeah yeah. Oh my God, yeah. and
2: what 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 what, are you, what is that car aimed at? Is it a family car? Is it's
5: it? a family car, it's a small crossover, because the big, big family one is the XC90, mm. which was phenomenal when it came out first, like it's a big seven seater, and everyone, including the, the, the dog wanted it, because the, everyone loved this car, and the new one is no different, then you have the XC60, which is just below that, again, an SUV, and XC40 is the compact version. Uh, it's the compact version. What it is? I would have kind of nearly put it in there with the T Rock2, but it's not in there, but uh, it's a compact crossover. Five seater. Okay, so that is the car of the year. So you
2: you hit the nail fairly well on the head with most
5: of the categories, there, now, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, but it's not it's not about like a self win or anything like that. But you do put an awful lot of thought into it. You know, like mm. it, it's very time consuming actually. This whole yes. matter. You know? yeah, yeah. So to 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 get whatever five or six is, I'm yeah, pretty it's, happy. With that,
3: it's
2: good know? shooting, Tony. Yeah, well yeah, done yeah. to you. So yeah. there you have it. Well done to Volvo uh, for this year. But so mm. many great marks in there in the individual categories that Tony has been talking about. Just before we go to Break. Can I throw something at you? I've sure. been
5: watching the price of fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it varies from place to place, mind you.
2: My God, I saw it one fifty at the weekend in the west for a liter of uh, unleaded. Unleaded. One forty six yeah. for
5: diesel. It's really climbing, Tony. Uh, yes, Jerry. And is there really need for it? Because the barrel of oil hasn't, you know, has, it's actually, has gone, actually gone down. Gone down in you know? the then so like, days. it's what's going on. Uh, the thing about it is, Jerry, like, like we're really, although we're human beings, we're, there's a bit of a lamb above us all. Like, there's a bit of wool. We're covered in wool, you know. we're not putting up a bit of an argument or, or doing what you're doing here, asking the question why. You're, mm. Mind you, if it was in France or something, there'd probably be a rebellion. At, you know, there'd
2: the, be the, no there'd, aircraft be, flying over the country. The, guilty, the ports would be, be shut reintroduced down. Or the something farmers like that, would know? be out in the road but you're right the Irish sheeple that's what we are we're the sheeple of Europe here in this country we just accept everything that's thrown at us and mind you a friend of mine called Dick was telling me the same thing in a phone call yesterday but it's, it really
5: is I've noticed that it's, it it's hard to people like I was speaking, sitting down having a cup of tea with a guy during the week who travels from I think it's Dun Larry to Trim Everyday for example and his motor and cost has gone up just for fuel alone 25-30 euro like that per week
2: and and I'll tell you one thing, he's not getting a raise in the pay packet no. to match that know. No. Tony Collins with us on late launch. If you have a motoring matter, give us a shout now. 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp. Now, I want to come back to this again, and we've touched it many times over the years, and there were hopes that it was going to take off, and then it receded, and then it's back in the picture again. I'm talking about 2019. People are thinking of changing their cars, and it's been worked on now, November, December. There's news that uh, older diesels some of the marks are offering Tony scrappage on the older diesels yes. to uh, yes. uh, update them. If you had an older diesel and you were offered a scrappage, what would you look
5: at? Hybrid, electric, petrol or go back to a diesel? Well, it depends what the offer's up against. What are they going to offer this scrappage for? It can be between 3 and 7 thousand euros, I think, with the likes of Volkswagen. Yes. And it depends if you live in the city or outside the city. sorts and this sort of stuff. Look, you see, this? we're not getting help here There's no use every motoring journalist sitting down in Ireland in a radio station or putting a pen to paper and writing about it. If if the body to be, the body that is there, the governments of this world, the the, the Europes of this world, are not discussing this uh, as a matter of importance. Because people are making investments and if, if there's a doddery attitude going to be introduced here it's going to affect everything it's going to affect the sale of cars they're, they're, they're shouting about the diesels coming in from England the dirty diesels I absolutely agree with them there's a lot of dirty diesels coming in but people why are people buying these cars like, there, a, there has to be a reason for it there so we need to look at this and to try and answer your question directly what would you buy It's like going to an event. What do you put on you? Do you put a sports jacket on you? Do you put a suit on you? Do you put a jumper on you? It depends on what type of work you're doing? Are you travelling from Drogheda, from Trim, from from Navan, from beyond, from Portlaoise to Dublin every day? Well, I still think you're in diesel there. I really do. If you're totally disciplined and can adapt to the hybrid way of thinking, hybrids have got better. There's no doubt at all about that. And the anxiety factor of diesel has lessened because they're going forward. The LEAF is an example of that. And there's a better version with more range coming out next year. Absolutely, that has improved. But so the electric has improved. You're
2: saying the range has improved. Yes. The charging times have yes. improved. Less size in the
5: battery with the electric. L- less less anxiety with the electric. L- less size is you're getting a greater output of power. Yeah. The size but you know the size the, the, the battery that sure. was taking up a lot sure. of room in
2: the car, they're getting smaller. So you're saying that. But what you're getting at, and I hear what you're uh, indicating
5: there, is there's not, the
2: infrastructure still in the country to support
5: that? No, I firmly believe that traffic wardens might even tell you this themselves. It's all right governments promoting something and saying we've put in chargers. But if every... The only thing that's missing a charger now is to tie a horse to it. Because you can you can go in and park in. There's, uh, there's no real law. I don't see anything being done on an electrified car. You can leave an electrified car plugged in all day which is happening and let me know at all about that because some owners are seeing it as a free parking space. Mm. I know there will be additional costs next year for electricity. They're gonna charge more for this. But I if, know that. If the infrastructure is not gonna be like lads have wrote colleagues of mine have wrote to her from the west of Ireland have brought down the electric cars to try to plug in an in athlete or something wrong, they try to plug in somewhere else. It's not there. But it's 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 not it's not just being policed properly. Mm. And the law is not there. It's it's there are right. enough charging points, don't no, there probably isn't. No, there's 1,200 charging pints in the country, but it's the way they're being used is the problem, and the breakdown factor is another OK, problem. so
2: you say people go into them for the day, leave the car in them, etc., and uh, they're blocking them up as well. They're not there for other people to nip in and out of.
5: Well, what you have is here, and I'm, I'm not trying to be smart, press, press fingers at the environment. You have some people in an office in Dublin working very hard to think up ways that's going to clean up the environment, going to prove the CO2 factor, the NOx factor, and they're doing this thing of introducing, helping out the, the petrol, so Increase of petrol sales, lower CO2, lower knocks. the electricity the electricity sales, electric cars, that's happening. And then you have people in other offices and the fee is up in the desk, giving them clapping themselves in the back and doing absolutely nothing about enforcing laws and regulations. So they need to cop on and work as a team on this.
2: So you're saying don't ride off diesel again if you're doing the miles. No. Look at a hybrid. They have certainly improved any of the best yeah. of both worlds there. And... The leaf, especially, as you mentioned well, there, I'd has come I'm on not, a long way. I'm not being electric.
5: fair I'm not being fair to you, really, in your question. You'd love me to jump up and down the seat and say, Jerry, there's no way I buy electric. There's no way I go back to petrol. Well let me say this to you. There's no way I go to anything other diesel if I have to travel a distance and do mileage every year. And let me no doubt at all about. It, I didn't see the script written yet, or the headstone go up saying Lord of Mercy and Diesel. Diesel is not dead. And if only more to cook it out there, the Knox factor, which is the big factor of of, of, yeah. of dirt, is going to be cleaned up dramatically, and the secret formula is out there that diesels will get better. That needs to, car companies need, look, let's stop using consumers as, as pawns here, you know, because people at the moment are making them, well, what popular show they do, a plug-in car will drive from tallow to trim on 50 kilometres without a shadow of doubt. The Nero will do that. And the, I had the Leaf over here working around Draha early all summer. It really worked a treat. It's it's a kind of a la carte. You're going in and looking at a menu and you're, you're, you're choosing according to your, your hunger
2: aspect. Yeah, so know. it's your needs your you needs, match your needs. to your what you want. Yeah, yeah.
5: This is a little story that came up.
2: The new test, uh, the new little monitor that you can use to check if you're over the drink li- driving limit the morning after the night before. What do you make of that?
5: Oh, sure. Look, everything, everything is a help. But look, 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 as far as I'm concerned, the horse is gone. And the fact of the matter is, no drink. Now, the morning thing is a different aspect of it mm. altogether. But in the, in the evening, like some people talk promoting about this and having it in your cart below into before you set off after having a pint. No, just look, just forget about the it's pint. It's nil. It's a nil factor. That's it. And that's it. And it's if zero. you're out in the morning, like just, just don't do it. But yes, if you get a present off it, by all means, I think it's about 300 quid thereabouts. Mm, so. But
2: you, you don't have to spend that. The, 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 the logic is, no drinking and driving and if you're doing something the next day you better take that into consideration as well you've been driving a few marks lately we might get to a couple of them a couple of Hondas there
5: yeah yeah, Honda Type R, yeah, this, this is the big, fast one. Like, again, it's the one that's going to get you locked up. 316 brake horsepower. The last time I saw Whale Tail on it was, like, something looking at Blue Planet and David Attenborough's thing on TV. It's this big... But it's all for reasons. It's mm. not like putting on a pair of bell bombs years ago and going to the disco. The, the reason behind this thing is that the, the airflow is to suck the car to the ground. It's a phenomenal car. It's not doubt at all about it. It's all the ability in the world... Go on and become a collector's item. It is just a. It's it's fantastic. 760 quid or something to a euro, I should say, to uh, tax per annum. That's about five times different if you're smoking five times less, 20 flags a day. So if you're fun and you're into performance car, but just remember one thing this car. Confine it to the track and be totally disciplined in it because it's over 50,000 euro and it has all based on the World Touring Car Championship aerodynamic package and all this. Mm. A phenomenal thing.
2: What about there. the CRV? That's the other Honda That's you had. CR-V.
5: Yeah. well, look, let, let me know. I want to put my cards on the table to be honest with you, Jerry. There's a CRV in the Conan family and we absolutely love it. I and mean, we moved from petrol to diesel and my wife absolutely loves it too. And it's, uh, it's not the newest one in the world, but it's, it's not bad at all. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, I drove the new one. And I wanted to go home and say, uh, God, maybe we should try and scrap a few bob together and go for the latest one. But, you know, my heart wanted to do that, but my mind wouldn't let me, because it's only available in petrol and i have be depriving of our good lady from a few quid a week and I'm not doing anything until the hybrid comes out and I'll have a look at the hybrid, mm-hmm. which is out in the new year. But I'm terribly, terribly disappointed that Honda didn't use that beautiful diesel, 1.6 diesel that's in the new Civic and I don't know what's going on, but we we need to get to the bottom of this again.
2: I have a question for you. What does Tony think of the automatics in the Fords? We've just
5: ordered one. Yeah, the money after leaving one back, it, it would tell her a good listener there. And the Ford in question was the Turano Comfort. It was a six speed automatic. It worked an absolute treat. Firmly, I think the time is coming that automatic is going to make a huge show here, just like everything else is changing. Uh, people want to sit back. There's a lovely relaxed factor to them. You'll find that the ratios are different according to manufacturers, not to make it too complicated. But automatics are not like years ago. They used to mean that the car be an awful lot harder on fuel, that day is gone because the ratios are much, much better and there's a wider spectrum of gear change. So I'd be all for it. The bigger the car... Definitely automatic.
2: So, you loved it in the Toronto yes, there before. Yes. The Mercedes A Class, yeah. The Mercedes
5: A Class. Isn't this the luckiest yes. man in the world? Yes. He has all these different beautiful cars to drive uh, and test. Well, you know, the Mercedes A Class, it was a fabulous car, but it's a car that could get me in all sorts of trouble. If I spoke to my wife the way I talked to the Mercedes A Class, I reckon my bag would be packed and would be left at the back door. <laughs> this is a car that could get you into all sorts of trouble, <laughs> Jerry, because it never stops obeying your orders. It's all because of a multimedia system called Mercedes Bend as a user experience experience system. All the driver needs to say is, hey Mercedes. And a female vice comes along and says, how can I help you? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm telling you, you the truth here. You talked to this car. It, it, yeah, absolutely. It took a few goes now to recognise their meat accents, you know. But after a while, there was no doubt all I was playing sailing. For example, if I needed to phone my son, all I had to do was pick up the I and say, uh, call out his name and asked to be connected. If I said it was cold, the heat would be turned on. If I want a particular radio station, could I have LMFM, please? <laughs> it would do it. This car could really spy it. Now, the problem is, Jerry, you can get so used to it. If you go home and start hacking the d- dig get the way you were talking to the car, my dear wife or anything like this, uh, what the barking orders around the place. It won't be too long you're going out to the Mercedes A-Class yeah, well, a- and you're going to be saying, "Hey Mercedes, can you fry an egg? Hey Mercedes, can you wash your shirt? But otherwise, 1.3 engine, lovely car huge technology huge performance another question
2: for you Tony could you tell us if you had one car to pick a 7 seater what would you opt for and that's just come in by WhatsApp to us at the moment there
5: what would I buy for what would I opt
0: for 7 seater well I, I,
5: there's two aspects here you have MPVs mm. and you have SUVs yes and then you have something like the Toronto that I drove the Ford Tirano which is based on the custom van it is an 8 seater Individual seats, you can convention like look at one another or row wise and I was saying if I had a family, I would look at that. Now it mightn't handle as good as an MPV. It's, it's pretty positive, nevertheless. But the fact of the matter is, it's like you're getting the pr- you're getting a penthouse for the price of a, of a of a bed set. And the reason I mean that is, if you're a little bit of commercial work at all, you pull out the seats really easy to flip, and your car now you're into a van. But I would look at. The Toronto. I would look at any of the Ford, the Galaxy, the S-Max. The S I would also look at the, the, um, the Kia the Kia range and I would look at the Mitsubishi. Uh, sorry, not the Mitsubishi range, I should say. Well, the Mitsubishi have some too, but I would certainly look at Hyundai too in, in the, the Santa Fe, the new Santa Fe that's out there. Now, that's in the SUV class and the MPV, but I'd possibly look at the Tirano. if It depends on the many people you're going to carry problem with a clutch in the
2: kia is it the kia Keenix, kia scenic no is no, that the, not, n- not no, scenic no. no not kia scenic it's it's a renault scenic yeah maybe they're talking about renault there anyway we'll like, we'll get clarification on that one there it's maybe one of the other kia models but we'll come back to that with tony sure. anyway uh, thanks for the question and of course the scenic is, is is the renault but i i think it's a kia they're talking about there we'll come back to you on that uh, and have you? It was the one more the Kia Seed. You were you have the yes, Kia had the yes, the
5: Kia Seed. the Kia Seed is brand new, and they've improved dramatically. Altogether. Yeah, and it, very quickly, there's a Kia Seed Hatchback and a Kia Seed the state car the state car looks absolutely fabulous and mm. mind you the, the other car I, I only divide there's only one point dividing it in the focus of my voting so it tells you how much Kia has improved really yes. it has massively improved it's a car not to be ruled out beautiful petrol engine and a, a choice of diesel too
2: got clarification straight away there back to us yes. just the Kia Sportage they were saying they're having a clutch issue there I presume you just go back to well, your
5: the Kia Sportage the fact of the matter is that there's a what is the warranty with that there's a 7 year warranty with yes, that yes there now, is clutches Can be questionable because clutches all depend on your left foot, and just remember that it's not just like a a piston and an engine that you've, you know, that's moving up and down, you've no, but you've every time you press your foot, you're there's a clutch factor just see what the problem is is it's clutch is a gearbox and it's question the warranty and listen to what they say in the warranty if it's covered or it's not covered why is it not covered
2: mm. well it should be the seven year we know that with it as well but back back to uh, where you bought it and uh, have it looked at and let us know how you get on there and if anybody else has an issue with the gear Sportage they might let us know as well just let's come in for a listener this afternoon sure, sure. have to leave it there Tony thanks a million see very you next welcome, time Jerry, very thanks welcome. so much I just love that song. Oh, can
3: I just say, I love it. You are the fool again inside <laughs> in that studio. <laughs> What pray tell sort of moving in my that? brains Actually, I, out there? Can I just say I retract my earlier statement of putting you forward for any sort of dancing <laughs> if that is a, what's going to go across the ballroom
2: floor. Oh, I love Westlife. We have tickets for them anyway in Crow <laughs> Park next summer. Looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, fool again from Westlife on late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. We've got a ball of questions we in for Tony Conlon just right at the end there by texting WhatsApp. We'll hold them over and he'll be back with us shortly. And we certainly will put them to them oh Sinead will I tell you what happened the weekend what we're heading to Galway to the fly fishing show and uh, we killed a magpie a magpie flew down on the road to pick at something on the motorway and up he came bang such a smash off the top of the van well
3: you know when you see one isn't like seeing it bad luck but like you're after killing one now so we killed a magpie you've got Ken Seven and myself Ken was look? Ken was driving
2: way? and we killed a magpie yeah in the van. oh such oh, a yeah. slap <laughs> and, and, and we looked in the mirror and there was a <laughs> flutter of feathers everywhere and, so, and, and you know what happened then he was down to eat something on the road something then came down to eat him that was just the way His nature works yeah, the circle yeah. of life but when I see one magpie I salute a magpie always if I see one
3: but so what's that going
2: to do you should salute a magpie you should if you see one magpie it's if you want good luck and good fortune salute the magpie good fortune good luck don't ignore one magpie. I hate to see one, so I salute it. If I see two, I'm always happy. I don't know. I Any that's... more than one, it doesn't bother me. I'm very, but what very happens superstitious. If you kill
3: one, then you've got seven years of bad luck. Is it the same as a mirror if you no, smash a mirror? No,
2: nothing to do with a mirror. Nothing to do with a mirror. Maybe at listeners all. can tell no, us if no, you no, kill no. a
3: magpie, what, what look does it make? You've <laughs> like, just oh, reduced
2: the huge magpie population <laughs> in Ireland but Camina, by do you know one.
3: What? Do you know what, Bird? And I don't know if a lot of people will have heard about this, but apparently seagulls. Yeah. are considered endangered now. Endangered species? Well, they're all talking about it in the news that the gulls are in danger.
2: Well, a lot yep. of them have come into our towns and villages. We know that anyway. We talked about that here on the show before and you'll see more of them. Uh, that certainly is a fact, but um, hard to believe that's the case. But listen, all wildlife is endangered when you see the recent report. It's been wiped out in the last 30 years and it's a big, big issue. Doesn't help when you clip a magpie no. in a van on the way to the west of Ireland.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
2: We're going to talk about something for the next while on Late Lunch that I believe perplexes an awful lot of people. And it's on our radar regularly. Yes, colours. Colours in your home, outside and inside. And I have an expert with me this afternoon. Holly Bryan is here. She's a colour hero with Dulux. You are very welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome. Let's start on the outside uh, for a start. You know, Ireland, are we conservative people?
6: We can be. Exterior colours work differently to interior colours. So if you see, pe- people's eyes will be trained um to see what works really well on the inside of a house. And people will go a bit more mad on the inside of a house because it's less of an investment. If you're repainting the outside of your home, obviously everyone's going to see it. So you're going to be a bit more worried. And it's not like you can hop up and sort it out in an afternoon if you don't love it. It's a, it's a big commitment. So people are a bit more... um conservative with the colours, but at the same time, we are open to things. So when you're choosing the colour for the outside of your house, light works differently outside to inside. Mm. And everyone's used to how it works on the inside where a dark thing you'll spot first in a room. Mm. When you're outside, it's the opposite. If you think about sheep on a hill, you'll spot a white sheep over a black sheep. So if you have something white outdoors, that's what you'll spot first. So when you're decorating on uh, the outside of your home, it's learning how to hit the sweet spot for going deep not too deep so it sits beautifully into its surroundings and it looks really really well so you're trying to get not too dark not too light and it's working that way but being experimental with colour We're getting there. We're doing, it's kind of eking in a bit more. Do you know those
2: postcards that you see in certain parts of Ireland where they do go mad with the colours? It's a mad blue on the outside or a pink or those type of things. If you did that in certain places, people would say, hey, Mm hey, hey, what's going on here, you know? But you think that you have to just take into consideration, you know, our, the climate, where you are, the other houses. What about your neighbours?
6: This is it. I mean, if if all your neighbours are all up for it and they all want to go with lovely bright colours all together, it'll look gorgeous. Fine. But if there's only one house that's doing it, it's harder to make it look okay. So really don't really do fun.
2: that. Don't go mad. Try and, you Still know, Still tell so go
6: mad. No, go on, go bananas.
2: <laughs> <A> mad yellow <laughs> yeah, in the please. middle of these row of white houses on Where neutral colour houses. Are many people painting the outsides of their homes?
6: They Absolutely. Um, it's it's never... It, Weather Shield is, is a huge um, product. It's really, really trusted and it's got really, really good... Um, uh, lifetime to it so yes. uh, people like to use once they get comfortable with a the product they know how long it's going to take until they need to repaint and because of that they, they can kind of choose something and knowing that in however many years when they choose to repaint that they can get something kind of similar and they can get into a spot where they they you know, mm. feel safe. But it's good
2: for your home to paint your home and keep it updated and looking nice, and it adds is, to good. the value and look and all that Absolutely. type of thing.
6: And it's good for for you as a person to see your house looking gorgeous. Like it's a lovely thing to come home to, and that's why if you're the one that wants to paint your house a really really bright color, and the other ones are much lighter colors, like once it makes you happy, you know that's yeah. that's what we're here to do. As a color hero, we're here to just facilitate whatever it is you're trying to make happen.
2: Mm. Let's go into the house and talk about going inside. And if we could take a scenario, maybe of somebody who's bought a, a new home and mm. it has to be painted, some of them come ready painted, all right. Somebody else who's bought a home that's there and they're going to put their own stamp on it now. Let's talk about downstairs first and okay. maybe the kitchen area where you spend a lot of time. Mm. What do you like in kitchens?
6: The biggest thing about a kitchen is that it looks balanced. So if you've got a bank of one colour because you've got the cupboards in there, then the other walls need to reflect that and be taken into consideration. So it's the placement of colour is the biggest thing in a kitchen, rather than just the colour.
2: Okay. Um, would you go for multi in the kitchen and different colours on different can. walls?
6: Absolutely you can. It depends on the space. I would be a big advocate of not just throwing in a feature wall for the sake of it. You're doing it for a reason. You're, you're pushing or pulling that wall back or forwards and you're playing with depth by putting in a feature wall. So there's so the
2: thing, a feature wall and a, and a vibrant colour is good to draw a wall back into a larger type of kitchen?
6: If you have a warm colour, yeah. it will advance. And if you have a deep colour, it will advance. A okay. light colour will recede and a fresh bigger. colour will recede. So exactly. in a small
2: kitchen, you're better going not for something that's really in your face.
6: Exactly. Makes so it
2: feel bigger if it's a lighter colour.
6: Totally. Okay. And now, look, knowing the rules, you can break them. Yes. But in general, um, I'd be advising that if, if if you're just starting off and 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 you're finding your feet on colour scheming and you're a bit nervous of it, the safest bet is absolutely fresh light colours in a small kitchen. Mm-hmm will do it
2: a lot of kitchens equipment uh if you go with a fully fitted kitchen kitchens can be like cream based colors white based colors is it nice then to offset that with something more dramatic on the wall
6: definitely you need to you do and then light comes into play so if you've got a north facing room um you don't get a lot of light a warmer color on the wall can help if you've got a south facing room a really nice bright fresh color can be um, create just a lovely environment in there mm. and it's all about the kind of feeling you want from the room then that that's how you bespoke the colour
2: OK let's go into where we watch TV or read a book or whatever the room where we sit there and uh, we spend quite a bit of time as well especially at this time of the year with the shorter days and people in at, at evening times
6: what's nice something subtle I so with a sitting room it's all about how you use it if you are there more in the evening time Lamps on, maybe you don't use it as much in the summer. you can tailor that to the light and how you use the room. I think like you can easily go really really dark if if the if the size of the room is going to take it sometimes you can go really dark it makes it really like lovely cocoon feeling and really dramatic mm. going light as well absolutely it's it's finding the right um type of color to sit with the other furniture that's there obviously and mm-hmm. the flooring but once you have a if you've got neutral colors in general, then it's a lot easier to just go really, really bold with the walls because mm. you're not matching up as A much. lot of
2: people go neutral colours through the entire house. Mm. We, we start in the kitchen, into the sitting room or whatever and even up into the bedrooms. It's all neutral. Isn't
3: that boring?
6: No, I love that. Like colourful is gorgeous as well. But mm. I, I like seeing... A well done, really neutral palette can be very, very elegant.
2: With variations on the palette from different rooms. Is that what you're saying?
6: It can be. And it can just be layering the same colour over and over. Uh, You know, um, at the moment, it's really, really in vogue grey. Grey is huge. People and I'd often see it a really well layered house of just grey so there's no other colour involved and and grey is the new neutral and it's just layered over and over again and And that works it it works if they bring in different texture so you still make a really cosy comfortable lovely house like a homely feeling but it's by bringing in velvets and um, sheepskin and just lots of different textures, so that the house feels gorgeous. But the colours—that's you're talking grey. about
2: with curtains and exactly uh, the, the the seats you have in the room. Exactly, your your all your self furnishings. Okay, all right, it, all those different soft.
6: textures, but all grey as well. All and right. it looks beautiful, and it looks really well. But like that, vibrant colours are gorgeous. Like that's another beautiful thing to do. Um, and it's it's lo- I always love it when I see that. Recently, I was in a house, and um, the ceiling of the main hall had this really ornate detail to it all in white um, gorgeous cornicing and then a navy blue ceiling and it just looked absolutely gorgeous It worked It's just
2: beautiful You know when you mentioned the the living room there and you said you can go for a darker colour what do you mean by dark? Do you mean a warm type of maybe You
6: could go with a warm colour but you can go with a cool colour as well and by virtue of the fact that it's super deep it'll make it feel really warm and lovely so you could go go with something that would generally be a very cold colour Say a blue.
2: Blue is cold, isn't it? it it's is. green cold.
6: It green can fall into yellow,
2: lemon yellow. Yellow cold. is a warm color. Warm. Yeah. So lemon's more warm. Much. What warm. about you know the autumnal colors from the leaves of that? If you go into that, and right,
6: all warm colors in warm general there. But it, so if if you were to take a, what would be a cool color like a blue, yeah, and make it really really deep and put it on the walls it can make the room feel really snug and cosy the biggest problem with a cool cutter is that it won't feel warm inside that the, the feeling in the room won't be warm but if you go deep enough with it and then you've got low level lights and you, you decorate it pr- like well and you layer it yes. it can feel so snug and like such a gorgeous space to be in mm. and really f- homely
2: how important is the entrance you mentioned the hallway there yourself a moment ago and that blue on the seal I remember after a little confession here I got my hall painted red once we went That's off for of the day and the painter says I'll, I'll, he knows who he is he, he he made it lovely we were coming down the road and it looked like the red light district in uh, <laughs> in Amsterdam and my daughter said oh my god look at that and actually we had to get the whole thing painted over again it was too mad the red yeah, was too mad just went too far <laughs> I understand <laughs> yeah
6: I know yeah, totally. it's terrifying when you look at something and you're like oh no mm. I went too far mm. what have I done
2: yeah. but a hallway a hallway is your impact isn't it when you walk into a home as well
6: hugely it is absolutely it is It's. it's it's you're laying out your stall it's 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 the first impression of the house and it's where you see all the other rooms also feed off it so mm. you walk through that hall and every time you see another room off it you'll be taking into consideration So what's the nice for the hall. hall?
2: What what do you like?
6: Halls are notoriously low in light the end of a hall is usually darker especially in 80s 70s built bungalows in Ireland the, the hall can be like a runway with each end of the hall being incredibly dark mm. a warmer colour Is always really, really good, especially with warm pines on the floor. Sometimes, um, um, from our moda range, um, almandra is a lovely colour, and it's because it's a pinky brown colour, and it's the depth of colour that's really important in the hallway. If you go too light, it looks really anaemic. So on a dark day, it doesn't feel warm; it doesn't give any atmosphere. But if it's too dark, it brings the, the the walls in, and it feels like you've made the space smaller. Yes. So it's hitting the sweet spot of the depth of colour. But then tailoring the actual colour family to the, the furniture that's there, to the carpet, to the, you know. and That's and why we need people
2: way. like you, <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? For us mortals who, <laughs> who don't know much about this. So let's say we go upstairs or if you're in a bungalow downstairs with your bedrooms as well and you go in there. Is blue a no-no in a bedroom?
6: Absolutely not, no. There's no colour that's a no-no anywhere. You can make anything work, you really can. And blue is a gorgeous colour. When you do it the right way, it's beautiful. With blue, one of the the pitfalls of it is that if you want it not to be really dark, if the room won't take it where it's too deep and you need a lighter blue, getting it light without looking like a child's room is hard. So you need to add a certain amount of grey. Getting a certain amount of grey into it while still making it um, not too deep is where you hit a sweet spot. Mm. Um, a really hard working grey like the, or blue grey is Egg blue. Again, it's the Moda range. Um, that's a really, really lovely one. Or going really dark. If the room can take it, that can look so, so good as well. But the other thing is um, it's breaking it up. Say if you want to go really bold with the walls in, in a bedroom and you go navy everywhere. Big mirrors, taking big blocks out of it. So you're breaking up the amount of, of yes. um, real estate that is in navy on the walls is is the way to do it and mm. it fixes it completely like white mirror or er, um, white wardrobes big mirrors and suddenly you've only actually got a little bit of navy but it's making a huge impact yes
2: what about children's room rooms does anything go what they want Pinks, yellows. I find
6: a lot of the time in the store the parents will come in and they'll say we just want it to be neutral. It's a smaller room. Like we yeah. really don't want to go mental. We don't want to really be repainting soon. And then the kid is like I want it all the bright colours of the rainbow. So a good tip for that would be really neutral on the walls just a nice warm neutral colour that's going to sit and work well for eight, years. And then get some tester pots in the colours that let them pick them the colours they love really really bright colours and put a pattern on the wall. It's costing hardly any money because you just buy testers. It can be taken down in an afternoon and be repainted over if they ever mm. get sick of it. And you're just making a fun abstract pattern, and it's that 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 fixes. It so so that actually,
2: you get the best of both there. Your touch on it as well as along with what they want. What about on their ceilings?
6: Our nursery. I have our nursery is in a smaller yeah. room so I've painted the walls in a bright neutral really nice and elegant as well because you'll put things on walls you know um, there are some things like that will be up but then on the ceiling to give a bit of atmosphere and to bring in some colour I painted ours like a, a green grey um, it's a really deep color, and then I put the wardrobe in the same color, and then I did the dresser in the same color, and it just looks gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: Back to the kitchen for a moment. Say you have a, an older type kitchen, or a kitchen mm. there a long time. A lot of people have pine kitchens yeah. and timber kitchens, and you know it's solid, it's solid yeah. wood, and you yeah. want to paint it. What about that? What about that scenario of it painting is a great over the idea. pine?
6: Like environmentally as well, it's just a great idea. It looks really, really good. What you can do as well is people in in general will repaint their walls every three five years you'd repaint the the cabinets or your woodwork in general maybe every decade mm. so it's choosing a color I I would advise in general for people to choose a color that's super neutral to go into the woodwork because then whatever color they paint the walls maybe not this go but the next go will sit with it and work really well with it so like warm neutrals um a, another really gorgeous thing to do is match, have the walls on on this round matched to the woodwork because how often do you get the opportunity to do something like that? Where yeah. you're painting both at the same time? Yeah, you can you can mix one. You could choose a gorgeous color, mix it into a diamond matte paint for the walls that's so scrubbable and then mix it into a satin wood for the woodwork, and then maybe do the island in something really unusual.
2: Yeah, okay. So the endless possibilities there, endless and always. It, and what a change that can bring to a, Maybe a timber that you have for for years and years. Look at the time; it's nearly gone already. So Let big. me tell you, this wonderful lady, Holly Bryan, color hero with Dulux, will be in Martha's on the fair green in Drogheda this Thursday from 10am till 3 o'clock look at all the time you'll have with her <laughs> and Barry and the crew there will welcome you in as usual would you like advice listen to this you would be able to talk to this woman directly and she'll advise you on anything and everything in your yeah, house in. do they
6: have to book they don't have to book but if there's a certain time that they'd like phone up and we'll try and make it happen okay. call Murtagh's and they'll try and put that aside for you but definitely bring in any cushions any inspiration any pictures any uh, pictures of the space or any pictures from online of a space that you'd love to create and we can totally try and make some So if you're happen. struggling
2: like I always do <laughs> Holly Bryan is going to sort it all out for you this Thursday in March it's <laughs> 10 to 3 on the fair green and draw to come in bring what you wish and she's yours for that length of time <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Really lovely to meet you on the show today. Fascinating. We'll talk again, I promise. Thank you, sir. That's it on Late Lunch for this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Have a nice evening and come back and join us again for another show tomorrow from half one.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.